Let's say goodbye to all your worries about tax planning, investment troubles, and any confusion when it comes to managing your finances and money. Here at Rocky Hill Accountants, our team has a combined 35 years of experience and will help you do it right. We're dedicated to your needs and will deliver on a result that is professional and trustworthy. Our firm is large enough to offer a full range of professional services, but small enough to give you the individual attention that you deserve. Our business portfolio includes thousands of prepared tax returns for individuals, families, partnerships, businesses, and more. The team at Rocky Hill Accountants are also thoroughly trained in tax laws and procedures. We have the ability to represent taxpayers before the IRS when they arrive at collections, audits, and appeals. This allows us to offer our accuracy and audit guarantee to tax clients. Please visit our website at RockyHillAccountants.com or give us a call at 860-257-4238 to schedule an appointment. Flowcrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. We'll float in Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. Fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. Hey, there's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner men. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10. The overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round. Bells ringing. Counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs hello ladies and gentlemen welcome back to throwing jabs a Saturday morning at 10. Fight day. Throwing jabs here. Big Jace, Joe, and Jared to talk about all the fights. Big, big boxing fight. Welterweight in this th- coming up tonight. We got another one to recap coming up a little bit later. But let's start off in the boxing's bantamweight division. Where all three of us, all three of us picked wrong. As Guillermo Rigondeau loses via split decision, Joe, we were talking a little bit about the judge, uh, the judges' scorecards, and we'll get into that. But Jared, I-, I want to know your thoughts on was this a just outcome, or did you score it differently? Yeah, yeah, I had it for Rig. Um, this is this reminded me of uh, the video game Fight Night. Where, where you do the boxing video game. And whenever you use, there's like harder punchers and then there's faster guys. And if you're Ali and the other guy's Frazier, you jab and you dance and you can't trade punches ever or you're gonna lose. Um, I'm tired 
of watching. This is the third week in a row that a guy has instituted his game plan perfectly. Rigondeau did exactly what he wanted to do. And one of the commentators said something very telling um, toward the end of that fight. He said, if you've got two guys boxing and there's a lot of running around and a lot of dancing and a lot of missed punches and one guy lands one punch and the end of the round is one to zero, you have to give the round to the guy that landed the punch. And that was Rigondeau. I, ju- I, I totally had it the other way. I get it, but pressuring and not doing anything. The thing that frustrated me watching this fight is that everybody put it on, uh, on Rigondeau. That's not Rigondeau's fault. If you're pushing the fight, he wasn't cutting off the ring. He wasn't jabbing well enough. Casimero showed that he didn't have the ability to fight the fight he wanted to fight with Rigondeau. Because Rigondeau was too good at what he does. So when I watch two guys trying to do something, and one of them wants it to be a track meet where there's very little punches landed, and the other one wants it to be a slugfest, and I watch a track meet, I'm not giving it to the slugfest guy. You didn't fight your fight. You didn't turn it into your fight. You didn't land more punches. What was he doing to, and that's the thing is I gave him a couple rounds and then I went, okay, now watch the rounds for what is he doing to actually win them? And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. I'm okay. I don't, I mean, you're not going to win a lot of fights going away, Rigondeau. But that being said, it was the way to win this fight. He did what he had to do to win this fight and then lost the fight. The way you want him to do it, he loses 100 times out of 100. This is the only chance he had, and he instituted it perfectly. He did everything he wanted to do and lost. Jared, before just before the show started, I was saying to Jace, uh, I, I, I look at the, the Taylor Ramirez fight, and I, I, I take that one, all three judges, 114, 112, and I think about that fight compared to, as you said, the last three weeks and some of the scoring choices here. If Josh Taylor beat Ramirez 114-112, and by the way, dropped him twice in the fight, then someone has to explain to me how Casamero walks away 117-111. That would imply that Casamero handily won that fight. That's insane. 116-112? Also insane. The only score I agreed with was the 113-115. And I said to Jace, I could have gone either way. If you would have told me Casimero 115-113, I could have lived with that. 117, Who? I mean, whoever's scoring that fight, they thought that John Real Casimero absolutely dominated the night. What a joke. What a joke. I, I'm telling you, dude, it, it seems like every week, it's another black eye for boxing. Yeah, I mean, Jared, you're muted, brother. Mastre and Mikhail Fox. Mikhail Fox was the guy's name. He was a foot taller and just jabbed and stayed on the outside and jabbed and stayed on the outside and did everything he had to do. And mind you, puncher's chance, I had Fox to lose. But the fight I watched, he won. So thankfully, I gave good advice there. 
But uh, the judges got it all twisted up. You've got a taller guy with a long jab who's doing what he wants to be doing. Yeah, it's a mess. This is a mess. I, hey, the PFL, I have to say, PFL's kind of leading the way. I've lost them three, four times. I've tried to talk about it and couldn't come up with the league. It's PFL. That's Ray Cepho is the guy who fought in his own league was PFL. The um, impact statistics where they're giving you miles per hour of the strike and then putting an impact score on that for how much each person is touching the other person. Also PFL. Um, they're leading the way a lot of here. Their ghost cam is cool. It doesn't show the fence links when they go through the fence. They've got a couple different things that it's like, I want to see in the UFC. Um, and one of them's Kayla Harrison. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but b- before we move off from this fight, like what is next for John, John Casimero? Is it a donaire? Is it an in a way? Or I mean, Neither of these guys can fight on that level. Remember I said that. I know a lot of people are high on Casimiro. He, he can't fight on that level. Rigondeaux can't anymore either. Um, guys that can cut off the ring, Rig will be in trouble against. And guys that can punch a little harder. Can you imagine if Rig has some power, had a little pop? He'd have hurt this guy a hundred times. You know, and if Casimero could cut off the ring and do the things he was supposed to do, you can't just let a guy do that. You know, if somebody's not throwing punches, I said this, I don't care if you're Willie Pep, Floyd Mayweather, Pernell Whitaker, I'm going to touch you. I promise I'm going to touch you. I'll walk you down into a corner. If you're going to promise me you're not punching, I promise you I'll land some. And there were moments in that fight where you went full minutes with no punches being thrown. It's like, use your feet. Sacrifice. This guy's already proven he can't hurt you. Use your feet. Back him into the corner. Make him go a certain way. And then throw with the other hand. And hit something. Because he hit nothing over and over and over again. And no, what's next for these guys? I don't know. Gatekeeper status. They're not it. Donaire, in a way. Ooh, I'd like to just so we know how overrated Casimero is. Yeah, go ahead. Fight either. <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think going into this fight, if if Casimero uh, wins it handily, if he wins it 117 to 111 like this crazy judge had it. Yeah. Yeah. He most certainly should be fighting some of these. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't, and I think yeah. you're exactly right. And I and I think you know it's unfortunate he almost uh, would be walking into that fight with a little bit of confidence that I don't think he truly earned. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think uh, I think this spoke volumes about both guys. I, yeah, I, I think Donaire would murder Reagan down in a rematch. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would think so. If Couture fought. Um... Oh, we might hear about this later. But if Couture fought Liddell and they spend 14 of the 15 minutes on the ground, but it was a really close fight, that's got to be Couture. You did what you wanted to do. This was Rigadial, man. He did everything he wanted to do. It sucks for you to fight your very best fight, the best fight he could. You tell me how he was supposed to do better. So he couldn't win that fight, is what you're telling me. He had no way to win that fight. 
because he did everything he wanted to do exactly how he wanted to do it and lost. Yeah. I'd have been more comfortable. Hey, question for you, Joe, though. Are you you're, you're uncomfortable with 117, 111? Would you be more comfortable with it the other way? If that was 117, 111, Rick. Uh, no, I, I think, well, yeah. Again, from, from the standpoint of, like you said, Jared, who controlled the pace of the fight? Who fought the fight he wanted to fight? So yeah, I mean, if you were if you wanted to score it that way, and you were like, dude, he fought his fight, and uh, all right, again to see it the other way, I'm like, no, no, way. I could see it nine That's to three not. rig. Yeah, even if you're watching it for Casemiro, I can't see it nine to three. I could see it nine three rig. If and that's the problem I had with this is you had an eight four nine three and then the other way five seven for for rig. And it's like are those bigger scores? I could only see going the way of the guy that did. If I gave somebody nine rounds, when I heard one seventeen one eleven, I'm like, oh, that has to be for rig. No. So show right. me what the, that guy did in those nine rounds to win the rounds. Besides moving forward and chasing. Because it looked like you guys were just running around in circles, and every once in a while you'd get popped with a jab, and then the round would end. Punch counts three to one. You give it to the guy with the three, even if he was going away. It sucks because, I mean, it was a good fight. I mean, it was close. Casemiro, I think if he could have ended it, could have catapulted himself into an in-away or donair fight. But, I mean, to truly catapult yourself, you got to follow Uncle Dana's words of wisdom and don't leave it in the hands of the judges. And someone who did not do that was Virgil Ortiz Jr. And, Joe, you hit this on the head. Eighth round knockout. I said fourth. and uh, But he I, – I, I discredited the mean machine. He came at it. He, he gave it oh. a lot more. But Ortiz Whoa. was <laughs> I, I thought Ortiz was just gonna We have to call back. Sorry guys, we gotta call back. Rig and Casimero broke the CompuBox record. Did you guys know this? Fewest combined punches landed in a twelve round fight, ninety one. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy, huh? <laughs> Wow. 91. 44, 44 punches. Okay. Like in a fight right. like that, you, I, I can't really blame the judges, you know? Like it's hard. That was really, really, to be fair. Yeah, you're right. Really, really tough fight to score. But, Jared, let's talk about your boy, Ortiz, getting it done. Eighth round, like Joe said. He, Joe also said this guy was strong. He said this was his toughest fight to date. He said if we've never seen him Ben Rock before, we might in this fight. Joe, you said everything. Now, tip of the cap, my dude. <laughs> Just had a no, not you know, not for nothing. But um, I think Virgil Ortiz Jr. is clearly the future here. Uh, he's an outstanding fighter. And, you know, and you know better than anybody, Jared. I mean, I, I think as you start moving up, I, I do. I think there's such great benefit for him to get hit by Kavalakis. I, I, I thought it was to his benefit. And that's why I said it. I want to see if he's going to fight Bud Crawford next. And I'd love to see that. 
I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I'd love to see that. I thought Ortiz needed to go in there. Somebody had to be on his level and give him the kind of fight, you know, where, again, he's needed some uh, some adversity in the ring. Get hit. Fight a guy that can hit you pretty hard back and see where you're at. And you know what, dude? Ortiz Jr. walks out of here. I mean, his status, this is what's been killing me. We've been talking about this a lot the last year. When you look at guys like Tank Davis, um, not Tiafimo Lopez, but Garcia and Haney, some of these guys, they go out there and you want them, you want them, you want them to go out there and do what Ortiz Jr. did last Saturday night. To, to go out there against a quality <laughs> opponent, bang with them, and then take them out. I know what I said, eighth round. Kudos to me for for nailing it, but again, for me in my mind, it, it was it was more about I wanted to see him and Kalavakis go at it a little bit, just because I feel like this is the kind of fight Ortiz needs, especially if my man Buddy Crawford's up next. Oh yeah, I tell you that because if you ain't used to getting beat up, it, it, uh, or, Ortiz Crawford one would be that kind of fight because there's going to be a trilogy of this, buddy. I'm already Ooh. making the call. There's going to be three of these. Uh, but great and and I'll tell you what, again, Jared, you know, you, you were saying it for quite a while about Ortiz Jr. And um, you, you couldn't have been any more right about this kid. He is so good. Well, the other the other thing I was thinking about during the fight is I compared him to Gagey on last week's show. I compared him to Justin Gagey in that sooner or later he'll get knocked out. But until he does, he doesn't know that he can get knocked out. He did, I had never seen him rocked, and both times he got stung, he went, ding, yeah, okay, come on. And I'm looking at Cav like, don't go in there, man. Don't go back in there. <laughs> I know you clipped him, you know, and you're thinking, ooh, I rocked him, go for the fit. You don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> man, we talked a little bit last week about the worst thing that could happen. Besides waking up four minutes after the opening bell with blood on your face and asking people what happened. The worst thing besides getting knocked out is taking the other guys is landing your best punch. And watching the other guy go, <laughs> yeah. And that's what Ortiz Jr. did. And it was like, well, well, I'm like, careful, kid, careful, kid. And he's this is that's who he is. That's what. Yep. Come on in here. You know, if you're if, if you're punching me, that means you're close enough to hit. Oh, I love this kid. <laughs> this is a great fighter, man. Yeah, and it was years ago. Uh, I don't think you guys saw it when I first said this is the, the kid of the future. You know, got some of these. But uh, it's it's undeniable now. This took this guy took Bud nine rounds to finish. He was the first guy to stop. Mortiz Jr. did it in eight. The real yeah. deal. I mean, he is he's really, really good, and that's what – the what he he could be the future of the welterweight division right now, especially with what's happened with Spence and all, all the hiccups along the way. Ortiz is primed to, to be the new future of the welterweight division. And boy, if we can get what you were talking about, Joe Ortiz Crawford trilogy, that would be amazing. Speaking of trilogies, that leads us into the who you got for this week. What is the greatest rivalry in combat sports history, Joe? 
Oh, uh, for me, this is a, a really easy one. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson and, and Jake LaMotta, who fought six times because there just was nobody else that could hang with these two, and they ended up being best friends. And uh, I, I think it's one of the great stories uh, in in all of combat sports history. So that one for me is is my very easy pick. And obviously, and I don't want to jump on your picks here if you're going to do it, but Gotti Ward uh, <laughs> would be a close second. Um, I won't say anymore because I, I feel like I'm just going to take yours, Jared. <laughs> oh, no. Well, Gotti and Ward has to make the list. Um, I'm hoping nobody says Cormier and Jones. Uh, <laughs> Shamrock Ortiz, I just don't think Shamrock was good enough. Um, and so so one, two, three, you got two of the top three, and I know you know who my number one is. That being said, if Gotti Ward and Robinson Lamotta are on the list, then give me Ali Frazier. Obviously. The yep. greatest rivalry in combat sports history. If he's the greatest fighter in combat sports history, then the guy that knocked him out that he had to avenge twice – take that you gotta beat him knocked him down and beat him yeah i'll take that uh, I, now, now tell me something we haven't said yet <laughs> no i mean it, it was for me jones and cormier my my personal favorite rivalry of all time jds and kane velasquez those fights were amazing they were both in their prime but uh, and, and Conor McGregor, he, I loved his – if him and Khabib or him and Aldo could span more fights, uh, I think that would be already what they've done has made that rivalry already a lot – very, very heated. The other but, guy in this should be competitive. Yeah, listen, because I was going to say, yeah. if Conor and Khabib fought every year from now <laughs> until they're both dead – McGregor would have zero wins in the series. So what? But circumstances, <laughs> I mean, Conor McGregor throwing a dolly at Khabib's truck. Yeah, but he's not allowed to throw dollies <laughs> in the octagon. I you understand that, right? that, but I yeah. that's the still only part chance of the he rivalry. Has. That is still part of the rivalry. But another one. And Jay's that. bringing the steel chair into who you got. I love it. Hey, uh, <laughs> I, I got one more honorable mention. Manny Pacquiao and Juan Manuel Marquez. If you didn't see... That was Juan Manuel Marquez get his nose broken and knocked down three times in the first round. Now, you break my nose and knock me down three times in the first round. You won the fight. I'm going home. This kid fought back to a draw against Manny Pacquiao, arguably the greatest fighter of all time in the prime of his career. This guy goes the distance and fights him to a draw after getting his nose broken and getting knocked down three times in the first round. You could argue Marquez won all three of those fights, and I would for two of them. I, I got one more before we move on. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Man. Tyson Fury. <laughs> but no, the buildup starts before. When Tyson Fury was 300-plus pounds, not not folks about boxing. He was scrolling through Instagram and saw an Instagram post from Deontay Wilder saying he is the new Mike Tyson. Tyson Fury took that to heart being named after Mike Tyson, and that's what got him back into the gym. 
It was him, and he always had his eyes set on Wilder. And now they're going into their trilogy fight. I mean, Tyson was like five eight though. These guys are both six six. Like I'm the real Mike Tyson. Get the hell out of here! They're a foot taller. Also, you'll you'll know he's uh, a a white guy, a foot taller. Like, oh no, you're not. (laughs) I don't think Marquez and Pacquiao are close. I don't think that they formed a special relationship from their fights. I could be wrong on that. But, I mean, again, Robinson and LaMotta uh, became best friends. They fought six fights, and Robinson was the best man at LaMotta's sixth wedding. You didn't know that, did you? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was his sixth wedding in the, yeah, six times. Uh, Ali Frazier obviously got close. Gotti Ward. I, 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 I don't think there's ever going to be a time where Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are going out that, and, so. and, and splitting like a meringue pie uh, at a diner. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, no. So that does make that, that rivalry a little bit differently. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, though, in the next fight, Tyson puts it to bed anyway. But Yeah. Well, we'll and see. my knee jerk was Kimbo Slice and Dada 2000. So <laughs> so I just, you know, it took me I'm a long glad. time to get off. I'm just glad we Wait. left the Paul brothers off this list. Did anyone say? Rousey and Tate. Yeah, Rousey and Tate, Liddell, Ortiz. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot. Rousey Tate doesn't work for me because it's not competitive enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like saying Tyson and and Michael Spinks. You're like, well, (laughs) I I don't know if, yeah. Well, and we have to say, I mean, it's not really one rivalry, but if you give me the Eric Morales, um, Come on, there's three more of those. Uh, Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales, uh, Vasquez, Israel Vasquez. There were, I think, Vasquez and Morales fought five times. I mean, they, the, they that little pack at that weight class during that time, they all fought each other and they were amazing rivalries. Yeah. And, but before we move on, well, I mean, Chael. Are we saying and, I'm right no. or what? I didn't hear. No, I mean, they're just... Oh, no, Ali Fraser won. You never got me down, Ray! (laughs) You never got me down, Ray! um, My favorite line from that movie. I also have a brother named Ray, so you can imagine how cool that line is. Oh, little Chris fought a kid named Joe in in the second scrub. They came in both undefeated 2-0. And And, uh, Joe, I mean, this kid Joe could bang, but he beat little Chris. And there's a there's a scene after the end. He's all exhausted, and he looks up, and the camera kind of zooms in a little bit on little Chris's face, and he goes, "Joe, Joe, you never knock me down, Joe. <laughs> never knock me it. down, Joe." All the real hardcore boxing fans were like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, that was awesome." I love it. We, but we are fortunate every Saturday. To have fights Occasionally we do have one week Where there's nothing But Saturdays are getting that much better Come the fall With college football So check out this promo From All Four Downs The CMG Sports College Football Podcast (laughs) 
The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. Saturday night, it's UFC on ESPN. Gaslam versus Cannoneer. Let's break it down. Kelvin Gaslam, 29 years old. He's 5'9 with a 71-inch reach and a record of 16-7-1 with six knockouts and four submissions. Growing up in Yuma, Arizona, Gaslam won a Division III state wrestling title in high school and went on to attend North Idaho College, where he ranked as high as fifth in the country before deciding to drop out to become an MMA fighter. He turned pro in 2010 with a second round TKO to kick off a five fight win streak before being selected for the Ultimate Fighter 17, Jones vs. Sonnen. After defeating Uriah Hall in the Ultimate Fighter finale, Gaslam became the show's youngest winner and got a six figure UFC contract to move down and compete at welterweight. After defeating Nico Musoke and Jake Ellenberger, he faced Tyron Woodley and not only lost via split decision, but also lost 30% of his fight purse for missing weight. Due to this being Gaslam's second time missing weight, Dana White ordered him to return to the middleweight division, which he did in 2015 with a second round knockout of Nate Marquardt. After dropping a split decision to Neil Magny, he signed to fight Donald Cerrone, but after failing to make weight again, the fight was called off and Gaslam was told never to fight at welterweight again. He came back with a decision over Johnny Hendricks and knockouts over Tim Kennedy and Vitor Belfort, with the latter fight being ruled a no contest after Gaslam failed the post-fight drug test. He lost via triangle choke to Chris Weidman, then knocked out Michael Bisping with a thunderous left cross and followed that up with a hard-fought split decision over Jacare Souza. In his next fight, he put up a valiant but ultimately losing effort against Israel Adesanya for the interim middleweight championship in a brutal match that was considered one of the fights of the year in 2019. After losing a split decision to Darren Till and after failing another drug test, he was suspended five months before returning in July 2020 and getting submitted via heel hook in a little over a minute by Jack Hermanson. Seven months later, Gaslam was finally able to end his losing streak with a decision over Ian Heinish but was defeated two months later when he was outclassed by former champion Robert Whitaker, losing by a wide unanimous decision. 
a well-rounded southpaw who can hold his own with the best of the middleweight division, Gaslam has world-class wrestling skills and on the feet is an aggressive pressure fighter relying on overhand lefts and scrambles to damage and outwork his opponents. Jerry Cannonier, 37 years old, he's 5 foot 11 with a 77 and a half inch reach and a record of 13 and 5 with 9 knockouts and 2 submissions. From Dallas, Texas, Cannonier got his first exposure to MMA during combative training in the US Army while stationed in Alaska. He was discharged in 2011 for failing a drug test and made his professional debut in Anchorage with a first round TKO. After amassing a record of 7-0 with 6 stoppages, Cannonier made his UFC debut in October of 2014, losing via first round knockout to Sean Jordan. He bounced back after an 18-month layoff by stopping Cyril Asker with a series of punches and elbows in round one, then moved down to light heavyweight to beat Ion Kutilaba at the Ultimate Fighter Tournament of Champions finale. He then lost three of his next four, dropping unanimous decisions to Glover Teixeira and Jan Blakowicz. Followed that with a first round knockout loss from a vicious Dominic Reyes uppercut. Six months later, he moved down to middleweight to drop David Branch with a counter right cross and finished it with some ground and pound. And on May 11, 2019, defeated the faded legend Anderson Silva, stopping him in the first round with a devastating kick to Silva's right leg, which rendered him unable to continue. He followed that. It sucks because I worked so hard on that, and it came out. It was. It looked great. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, but all right. Sorry, dude. We got to get you better internet uh, wherever you're at. So. Um, yeah. Listen, I've seen a lot of people uh, picking Gastelum in this fight, and to those people, I say, have you watched any of his last five? You know, it's funny, the beginning of the video when it froze, he was uh, doing some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, it looked like he was going for a rear naked choke. And I think to myself, every time this pudgy loser fights, why don't you do that? Break out the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you giant tool. Aren't you tired of losing? Use the skills that you have. God. I have giant tool and chubby chubby doofus. I, lo I love those. <laughs> My I kids love, are right over those. here. I'm trying to trying to be good today. <laughs> I do. I do. I do frogger knocking. Um this and the and man, that was that the worst. I'm not talking about the audio. I'm not talking about the video. Was that the worst? fight backstory recap you've ever heard in your life not you jace don't get me wrong brother not you but it's like uh kelvin gastelum came into the league 14 pounds overweight and got kicked out of the weight class and then tried to cut back down and lost his whole purse and then won a fight but failed a drug test and in 19 
get what? What when did like what else can you do to mess up your life? Like when does he when does he come in just at two fifty with a soda and a cigarette <laughs> talking about <laughs> life is good? Sipping a straw, like yeah, dude. This this guy, uh, chubby loser. What else did I have here? These are great. These because they work perfectly. I have never ever liked this guy. He was on the Ultimate Fighter, and he's just he's just not. He's never anybody I could see myself hanging out with. He'd probably kick my butt, but he's the type of guy I could see myself fighting. And honestly, I like get along with people well. I don't walk around thinking there's a lot of people I just couldn't get along with. Outside of trolls and like videos, you know, Karens that are doing it on purpose. This guy's not doing it on purpose. He's just, just kind of a chubby loser. <laughs> I'm so, so tired of Kevin Gastelum being in these headliners, and it's like, for what? For what? What? What is he going to do tonight that's different than any of the last five fights he's been in? What will be different? His conditioning? I doubt it. <laughs> Dude, he's if, he follows, if he follows all the rules it will be different than his last five fights we'll take it be <laughs> in the right direction yeah come in on weight and not on drugs and we'll give you another chance <laughs> uh what's the over under on this guy coming in at weight and not high <laughs> i'll be like plus 600 this week for the puncher's chance <laughs> Take Calvin <laughs> Gastelum to come in high and fat. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I, yeah. I don't like him either, Joe. I, I, I think it sucks because I think Calvin Gastelum, if he wasn't such a screw-up, he could really be at the top of the welterweight division. And he could. Not, not even okay. – he, he's shown he can be at that at middleweight, but if he doesn't screw up, he's just – he's – Ultimately, just too small for middleweight. Some of the, and some, here's a guy that fought at heavyweight, and Gaslam's fought at welterweight, and he's. I don't see any world where where Cannonier doesn't win. Like maybe if Gaslam can wrestle him thing to the ground and get that rear naked choke, but I, I just don't see that happening. I see Cannonier clipping him before he gets in. It's, to be honest. It's, it's a lot like what I said about a guy I kind of could see myself, you know, who isn't such a POS individual. But I've, I've been to every gym in the state. There's 26 of them currently. I've met all the trainers. I've seen the fighters. If it's state of Connecticut type, I've seen it. These guys work hard. There are some fighters that work really, 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 really hard. And I had it out for TJ Dillashaw after he came back. And it's just this phenomenal athlete. And guys like this, they get me like, like, like no other fighters. You can run like Rig. You can hug like Floyd. But when you start just disrespecting the game, you're taking all of this talent. Like, what about the rest of us, dude? I can't stand guys like this. You miss weight. You miss weight. You fight in your weight class and stop trying to cheat. Like, come on. What about the yes? And you're right, Jace. This guy had the talent the whole time to pick a weight class and dominate it and never really did. He took all of that talent and he's flushed it a little bit at a time. And not only do I think Cannonero beat him, I really hope he beats him. Get 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 him out of there. There's not 
I don't have a lot of that. Joe, we talk all the time, man. I don't have a lot of that stuff in my heart. This guy, I just don't like. Well, yeah, you know, because you're a person that takes this craft seriously, and Kevin Gastelum, whether he takes it serious or not, has certainly given us the impression that maybe he doesn't. Mm. And, uh, Jace, you're right. I, I think when it comes to talent, I mean, this guy's got all the skills. He's a, he's a great striker. He's got the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's a lot of things he can do, and yet he gets into the fight, and he just wants to stand there and bang. Uh, and he's just not as good as most of these guys, and he's not as good as, uh, as Jared Cannonier is. Uh, at doing just that. And so I got a feeling when this one's over that that fat, pudgy face of his is going to have that look of surprise again. Like, how did I lose when I didn't incorporate any of my Brazilian jiu-jitsu? I'm confused by that. I thought I totally would have won this one going away. So I look forward to that stupid moment where that stupid look is on his fat, stupid face. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Hey, Casemiro didn't do any of the things he had to do to win. <laughs> Casemiro still won, and he didn't do any of the things he had to do. And I like Casemiro. I think that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. That I'm just sick of. I'm sick of Gastelum. He's. I mean, I. I <sighs> this is a guy that seems to get shot after shot after shot, and he just keeps on losing. And it's like, at what point are we like? Right, enough. Enough. I don't know why people keep gassing him up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, uh, but this fight, like I said, well, Gaston was once at welterweight. Cannonier was once at heavyweight. I still don't think that's as many weight classes as Manny Pacquiao has spanned through his career, and uh, we got a big fight in the welterweight division tonight with Pacquiao hopefully taking back his belt against Ugas. Joe, you got the video for us? Pacquiao returns to take on current WBA title holder Jordanis Ugas Saturday night for the title Pacquiao won two years ago in a win over Keith Thurman. Now the two unify their titles after WBC and IBF champion Errol Spence Jr. was forced to withdraw from the bout with Pacquiao after suffering a torn retina in training camp. Let's break it down. You're Dennis Uzgas, 35 years old. He's 5'9", with a 69-inch reach and a record of 26-4 with 12 knockouts. From Santiago de Cuba, Ugas began his amateur career at the age of 16 and as a member of the Cuban national team, won gold medals at the Pan American Games and World Championships, as well as a bronze medal in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. After six attempts, Ugas was finally able to defect in 2010 after amassing a record of 96-9 and and made his pro debut with a unanimous decision that July. He quickly went 11-0 with five knockouts before dropping a split decision to Johnny Garcia in 2012. He then won his next four, including a decision over Cosme Rivera and a KO of Aiden Hernandez before dropping two straight decisions to Emmanuel Robles and Amir Imam. He bounced back with a unanimous decision over Jamal Jones, then went on a seven-fight winning streak, including decisions over Thomas Delorme and Cesar Baranuevo, and a TKO over Ray Robinson before challenging Showtime Sean Porter for the WBC welterweight title. He put up an impressive performance, managing to cut the champion in an action-packed brawl, only to lose via split decision. 
He returned two months later, defeating Omar Figueroa by a wide decision, then stopped Mike Dallas in seven rounds in February of 2020. Seven months later, he took on Abel Ramos, dominating the fight and pulling out a split decision victory to claim the vacant WBA regular welterweight title, and four months later was elevated to super champion after Manny Pacquiao was stripped of his title due to inactivity. Working behind a solid double jab, Ugas is atypical for a Cuban fighter, preferring to box in a phone booth and giving up his reach advantage to outlast and outwork his opponents with wide looping body shots and a wild overhand right. Manny Pacquiao is 42 years old. He's 5'6 with a 67-inch reach and a record of 62-7-2 with 39 knockouts. From General Santos, Philippines, Pacquiao was born into extreme poverty and introduced to boxing by his uncle, deciding to make it a career after watching Buster Douglas knock out Mike Tyson in 1990. He made the Philippines national team, and despite never getting to represent his country, he amassed an amateur record of 60-4 and four before turning pro in 1995 with a unanimous decision. He compiled a record of 32-2 and two with 23 knockouts before winning the IBF Super Bantamweight title with a six-round stoppage of Lalo Anilo Ledwaba in June of 2001. He defended that belt five times, including a draw with Agapito Sanchez and a knockout of Emmanuel Lucero before stepping up to featherweight to win Ring Magazine's recognition as champion with an 11th round stoppage of the legendary Marco Antonio Barrera. After a draw with Juan Manuel Marquez and a loss to Eric Morales, he went on a six-fight winning streak with two knockouts of Morales and another decision over Barrera before defeating Marquez for the WBC Super Featherweight title. He followed that with a stoppage of David Diaz for the lightweight title, a nine-round beatdown of Oscar De La Hoya, and a one-punch knockout of Ricky Hatton for the junior welterweight belt. On June 14, 2009, he dominated Miguel Cotto, scoring a 12th-round TKO. The following year, he destroyed Antonio Margarito, shattering his orbital bone, and winning the vacant WBC Super Welterweight title. He defended it with wins over Sugar Shane Mosley and Juan Manuel Marquez, but then lost a close decision to Tim Bradley, followed by a shocking one-punch knockout loss to Marquez. He bounced back the next year with dominant wins over Brendan Rios and Tim Bradley before taking on longtime rival Floyd Mayweather in one of the most highly anticipated fights in boxing history. Despite being the biggest money-making fight in history, the fight was considered a letdown, with Mayweather winning a boring unanimous decision. The next year, he concluded his trilogy with Bradley with a decision and then defeated Jesse Vargas for the WBO welterweight title before dropping a shock decision to Jeff Horn. In July of 2018, he brutally knocked out Lucas Matisse for the WBA welterweight belt and then defended it with an embarrassingly one-sided victory over Adrian Broner. On July 20th, 2019, at the age of 40, he defeated Keith Thurman via split decision and dropping his younger opponent in round one to cement his legacy as one of the greatest of all time. The only eight-division world champion in the history of the sport, Pac-Man has defeated 22 world champions in a career that has seen him go from a fearless, headfirst brawler to a more methodical and technical boxer-puncher. A power-punching southpaw, Pacquiao uses lightning-fast combinations of footwork coupled with an erratic in-and-out style that makes him unpredictable. 
Will the awkward style of Ugas and the last-minute substitution be able to frustrate Pacquiao? Or will Pac-Man be able to turn back the clock one last time as the brilliant career of this future Hall of Famer draws to a close? Tune in to Pacquiao vs. Ugas, and let's find out. Now, I, I don't even... what This fight is so upsetting. The WBA came out a week ago and said that they're cutting down on belts because they're just giving too many out that it is hurting them financially. The, this belt that Ugas has, that's one of those belts. I don't understand why Pacquiao ever got that belt taken away from him. He was just waiting for the Spence fight. The Spence fight didn't happen. He's fighting Ugas now to get back this belt that he never lost in the ring. He lost because he was trying to make a fight that should happen. And this whole WBA, WBC, all, all these organizations are, it's just bull crap. And P Pacquiao, he, he's a legend. You shouldn't be stripping his belt when he's trying to get a, a mega fight. You should not do that. So now, Joe, enough about the belts and all the politics. Talk about the fight. Listen, uh, your Dennis Ugas is a really good fighter um, and not your conventional Cuban style. Uh, this guy kind of does his own thing, always has. I think this is going to be a really good fight, and I, and I hate to say this, I don't know that Manny Pacquiao necessarily walks out the winner. This is a, this is a, this is a big fight. This is a couple of champions going at it, and again, I think it's easy to assume the Pac-Man's going to win it. But you look over the last couple of years at some of his his fights. I, you know, I I would I would have preferred Errol Spence, and I would tell you I I thought I would have taken Pacquiao over Spence. Something about this fight doesn't feel like a Pacquiao win to me and I and I I don't know why like I can't shake the feeling Jared I, because like, I feel like Pacquiao's gonna come out flat hmm. I like I feel like this is this isn't the fight he wanted it's the fight he got do me a favor put cleans teeth in as the nickname for Ugas <laughs> your dentist cleans teeth oh my Ugas. god um you know, I'm, and this is, I, I'm, I'm taking Pacquiao, but I want to change an earlier pick because um, when we say the best rivalry in the history of sports, I'm thinking something you want to make a movie out of, you know, and that draw Marquez being all of that after the first round, you'd had your nose broke, you'd been knocked down three times. You fought to a draw. You fought really tough in the sacrifice split decision loss. And then in the third fight, who saw that coming? Tell me another rivalry where in the third fight, not, not only hadn't they been like really rocked and hurt, even in that first round where he went down three times, he kept getting up and wiping his nose and shrugging at the ref. This was the first time one of them got really hurt and he was just out cold. That's the end of the movie, boy. That's the best rivalry in combat sports history. If you take out the historical relevance and take out all the other stuff, and I have to make a movie about one, give me Pacquiao Marquez. So I'm changing that that pick. But Pacquiao's one of those Ronda Rousey type of 
situations, I feel like at this point, that until he loses, you know, I picked against him with Thurman. Great fight, but I didn't think he could fight on that level. What does Thurman do to Ugas right now? Come on, man. This is this is Pacquiao. I, I think this is Pacquiao. I get what you're saying, and Styles make fights, and got to take Manny until he shows me Can I tell you something? I, got, I want to admit something. What a big Manny Pacquiao fan I, I am, uh, and and brilliantly by, 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 uh, written, by the way, by my brother Tony, who writes these tales of the tape. The last line about... Uh, uh, Pacquiao turning back the hands of time. I must have read that line seven times, and at each turn, I a hundred percent choked up and could not finish the sentence. Oh, <laughs> uh, because it's an R. Kelly quote, it, it, a thing of beauty, it really is. So, um, if I could turn. I love Manny Pacquiao, dude, and I, I really, I just something about this fight. I, I I've been having dreams like that. I wake up and they're like unbelievable. I I would hate to see Pacquiao go out on a loss and not have it be to to Terrence Crawford because that's that's where I'd like to see this go next, um, if not Ortiz Jr. But we'll see what happens. I don't I don't love this fight. I'm not excited about it. Not as excited as I would have been if this was Errol Spence Jr. No, yeah, the the, the Spence. Pacquiao fight that was big. I thought that would have been the end for Pacquiao, and, but uh, I I just can't I I just can't in good conscience pick Pacquiao to lose against. Uga. I'm sure nobody picked Jeff Horn to beat Pacquiao either. Yeah, you know what but I mean? that's also uh, yeah that fight's a. Whole I'm just saying again. This, ridiculous. This man. sort of feels like again. You know, every now and I, again, I get, I get one saying, of those though. feelings where I can't shake it, and I'm like, now nah, Pacquiao's gonna win, right? Oh, I, I, I get what probably. You're All right. Uh, wow. One. Um. Wow. So, 159 and a half. That's far after Manny. Wow. So, biggest guy Manny ever fought is what we're talking about here. Uh, this guy fought at 158 and a half. Jeff Horn has fought at 159 and a quarter. Um, this guy has fought more fights at bigger weights than Jeff Horn and is coming down to fight Manny. That's a good, uh, that's a good point there, Jace, Jeff, uh, or Joe, excuse me, Jeff Horn. That's, uh, yeah, we didn't see it coming. We didn't think so. He was a little bit bigger. Maybe. But also that fight is just as arguable as rigging down Casimiro. As far as judging goes. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Sure. Uh, uh, it is going to be a hard overhead pick. I mean, I, my heart is talking my head into picking Pacquiao as well. So, yeah, we'll go Pacquiao. But, Jared, you going to make us some money with your puncher's chance? I'm going to try. I hit three out of four last week. This week, um... We're taking Avni Yildirim. Now, if this guy's name sounds familiar, it's because he just lost to Canelo Alvarez. And um, I've got him right here, Avni Yildirim. Just lost three straight. Anthony Durrell, Canelo Alvarez, Jack Cullen. 
all three really good fighters lost to Chris Eubank Jr. in 2017. Those are his four losses. Straightforward guy. Uh, we just picked him over Jack Cullen, and he lost a unanimous decision. And now he's fighting Slavisa Simonovic. Slavisa Simonovic. Can't pronounce this guy's real name, but uh, name real well. But he's a banger. Thirty-seven wins, thirty-one knockouts, fifty-one losses. He's been knocked out thirty-eight times, if ever. Wow. I have seen a guy coming off of losses to top competition like Anthony Durrell and Canelo Alvarez that needed a win. It's Abney Yildirim. They are feeding him this guy. He's been finished in under two rounds over 20 times. And Abney Yildirim will be added to that list if he doesn't rigandy out the first two rounds this is under two and a half all day at minus 160 that's up from opening at minus 122 so this is a really good bet abney Yildirim under 2.5 to against a guy that's been knocked out 38 times all right yeah. <laughs> that sounds good i mean he's would that be your fight of the night jared uh no no um, actually, I always take the uh, I always take the uh, boxing matches. But there's one fight buried on this UFC card: uh, Alexandre Pandoja and Brandon Royval, and that is going to be knockdown, drag out. It could end in 15 seconds. It could go the distance. This is going to be a great fight worth tuning in for. And it's the first time I've picked a MMA fight for my fight of the night. I love it. Joe? Yeah, Clay Guida is fighting Mark Manson. <laughs> uh, anytime Clay Guida's in the ring, baby, I'm locked and loaded. I cannot wait for that fight. Uh, that's, going to be, that's going to be the fight of the night, uh, no matter what happens, in my opinion. I love Clay Guida. So, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I mean that that that's the only. Uh, it's a tough card for UFC, but boxing is just really that big fight. But I mean, it, it's tough as far as the undercard goes. But yeah, I do think that Clay Guida, Clay Guida is always a fa- good fight, and Marco Madsen will bring it as well. So that with Gaslam and. In near the, the that should be a fun night, and then obviously Pacquiao Ugas, so it should be a fun night of fights, and we will take a quick break here and be back for to close out the show. So stay tuned. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. So this week's Scrub Scrap Spotlight uh, is Charles Razor Sharp. We're apparently having a little bit of trouble getting him in. 
But uh, this is this guy's this guy's uh, all action fighter. Let's say fights whoever I f- put in front of him. Um, no matter the size, he's got to win over a guy like two sixty, two sixty five. I think a uh, much bigger guy uh, fought our heavyweight titleist and. Uh, Oh, he said he's in here, Jace. He is he's definitely not. not in here. No. Do you uh okay. you want to roll some tape or you want to wait till he gets here? You buy some time rolling tape. Yep. Here we go. Another message from Clubhouse Media. The Seattle management is going to give you their time of day. What makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Both times they're blowing teams out by 10. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, Bron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. Hello. Welcome, Charles. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, I hear you all good. Right. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. Yeah, you got the most uh, untech savvy Asian in the world trying to operate this. <laughs> <laughs> I do drive a Honda, and I'm good at video games, though. All right. <laughs> Hilarious! Oh my god. <laughs> it's okay if we laugh at that. I mean, things are changing every day. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, I am a flipping mutt, dude. If I can't laugh at, at, at jokes like that, then I got to go back to school. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I got, you know, just a little off topic here, but I got to I always tell my daughter it's OK to tell race jokes and political jokes. They just have to be in good taste. You know, um, you've got to be in the right context. So uh, when I was when I was in jail at NYI, they have screens set up where you can yell around to the other. I don't think any of you guys have heard this story before. You can yell around to the two guys next door. So you've got your two guys and their two guys. The guy next to us gets replaced. So we're up talking all night, BSing about stuff we did on the and, and foods we miss and stuff. And this guy has got the highest, squirreliest little voice you wouldn't believe in life. <laughs> But we're, we're, you know, we're going back and forth. I'm like, I, you know, and I, wa- I they pop the doors for breakfast. We both walk out of our cells. I turn to this. I kid you not. Like, <laughs> Two forty five dark as hell. And he looks down at me and goes, oh, my God, by your voice. I thought you were going to be a big black guy. <laughs> you thought. I- yeah. This this reminds me curiously of the time when my fighter didn't show up and you yell, hey, hey, Charles, you want to fight? And without looking at the guy, say yes. And then I turn around. He's 6'2", and I've been drinking. (laughs) This is is the guy I was talking about, like 260-something. Yeah, yeah, sure. Who am I fighting? (laughs) (laughs) We don't have weight classes in Scrub Scraps. (laughs) Definitely. It's so, so, uh, so what do you, uh, what, what are some of your memories? Like, what do you remember best about Scrub Scrubs? Um, the camaraderie, number one, um, 
just like it says in the flyer if they haven't punched you in the face yet they're probably not your friend <laughs> you know um it, you know that that's uh that was it you got um jared you actually met me at a really messed up time in my life um my friend had committed to my best friend you know i lived with seven years uh took his life if, uh, you know a year maybe months before i met you so you guys saw like a different side of me i went there as uh, definitely an outlet you know um i love the fight i've been fighting my whole life martial arts uh boxing I'm not so great at i can't <laughs> um but that's what i remember it was, it was a great outlet um it was a place to go to feel like you were part of a brotherhood and um it's funny because you think, oh, these guys are a bunch of tattooed, uh, you know, roughnecks getting it on in the backyard fighting. They must be the meanest guys in the world. Hell no, man. We go out to the bars. No one, we don't walk around with that, uh, trying to show off how big our, you know, what is, uh, yeah, because yeah. we know how big, we know how big it is. <laughs> and, and <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, so that's what I remember is just being part of a brotherhood. It was a lot like uh, being back with the core. You know, we got a oh, bunch of tough guys. Um, thank you. Oh, hey, you know, like it, it's uh, it's definitely a brotherhood, man. It was a great time. You know, um, and of course, you stacked me against uh, Brett, my first fight, who I believe is still undefeated. <laughs> Light heavyweight champ. Yeah. Oh my God, Brett! A. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was funny because he had some boxing experience and thought he was going to just walk over everybody. And you may not be the greatest boxer and better at other martial arts, but you're tough as nails. So this kid uh, goes in and squares <laughs> up in his boxing stance. First round, Charles, pop, 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 rocks him. Oh, oh, he got on Queer Street. He ended up coming back, beat him two rounds to one. But, man, yes, that, he did. it woke him up to the fact that just because we're in a driveway doesn't mean that the kids here can't fight and I can, I can relax. He went in there. Charles slipped a jab and lit him with three or four, put him on Queer Street for a second. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. His, feet, his feet kicked out from underneath them there for a sec, which is I'm proud to say because – I don't think anyone's ever done that to Brett. He's oh, no. Seven fights, and the most trouble he was ever in was in his first 15 seconds in the ring. Yeah. Um, with that said, though, like um, like I said, you met me at a very weird time in my life, and I was drinking during the fights. Uh, so it's like now I'm actually taking MMA courses with uh, Tiger Shulman's. They've got a few people out there in the UFC. Um they moved me right off the bat to advanced classes. It, it's it's great, but it's um it's weird now. It'd be great to come back because I learned how to jab and work the outside rather because I'm used to using kicks. Okay, yeah. so um, so it's almost like you know, in Happy Gilmore when he shows up and he's like, "Look, look who learned how to putt." It's gonna yeah. be like, "Look, look, look who learned how to jab." Yeah. <laughs> you know? A you used bit to more fall with it and use it as a range finder. Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, number one memory though, the brotherhood. You know, the nicknames that you gave us, dude. That, that's those are hilarious, and you know, definitely. Um, I remember a kid named uh, Adam. Now, and he had just got out, uh, so he was, you know, also going through kind of a time. But it might be actually your most recent fight. Are you talking about Manimal with the dreads? No, no. Um, Adam Vasquez. 
Oh, that was in the uh, your actual house's driveway. Yeah, yeah. Not the yeah. not the garage. Yes, yes, yes. Um, once again, a, a fight that I started out with, uh, just amazingly well, like collected. I remember my defense was on point, and I countered him. I knocked him down within the first twenty seconds. But then um, I let you know I let myself get inside my head. I think he took that one just on points. Uh, I'm not sure who won the fight. Yeah, I remember I had a clean knockdown. Um, that was probably yeah. I remember that man. <laughs> I went to the wrong address first. <laughs> my my favorite part of that entire scrub scraps because. Uh, you know, things are a lot different after the fights. You can't describe to somebody the difference between the atmosphere before the fights and after the fights. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's like New Year's countdown to 10, 10,000 times before the fight. <laughs> hey, 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 you know, and it's just dragged out forever. Um, and then afterward, it's like everything, even the people who didn't fight, you know, have something taken off their shoulder of like, I wonder how I would match up. And there's this just complete level of respect. And um, so you guys had no history with each other, didn't know each other. And we're sitting down on the on the walkway, the, the, one of the steps on the way up to my house and watching the fight on one of your phones. And I got yep, a picture yep. of the two of you, like both leaned into each other, holding the phone, <laughs> and watching the fight together, like you, like you were had been best friends for for ten years, you know. So it was. Uh, yes. That was that's definitely one of one of one of the things that I that I love about it too is it's got a way of just bringing people together. Once you've been through something like that with somebody, you know, from being in the military, you go through traumas like that with another person, and if you come out on the other side from the same team. You know, and that's what Scrub Scraps is. We fight each other, but we're all on the same team, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I hear what you're saying about, like, even if you're not the one fighting, it, it it's uh, almost like a stress relief. Like, you're living vicariously through the fighters, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, yeah. uh, I remember the one time we were at Murder, murder Cycle. Well, uh, we were at the Motorcycle Club. I don't want to say any names. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were able to fight in their bay and the the bay next door was a tuning shop and all the guys came over and they're like oh look at these look at these idiots and uh after they watched a few fights they're like um yeah i mean you should keep my mouth shut <laughs> it got quieter it got quieter in there it, it, that was hilarious yeah i remember that and we've had that happen a couple times there was a bunch of kids showed up from the weight room kyle murphy and 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 uh uh his gang yeah and they they showed up all but but this was another time all the bikers come over like oh yeah and you would think you're gonna get 15 fighters we got got (laughs) one that was like one of their smaller guys and couldn't really fight and yeah just like you said things were completely different before and after it started with the uh that attitude, you know, and that attitude gets people bullied. That attitude gets people victimized. That attitude yeah. that I'm tougher and I'll show you that stuff that 12 out of those 35 guys had when they walked in, that all of a sudden they weren't throwing out into the room to the rest of us. Yep. There's a lot more handshakes. Fights. 
Exactly. Yeah, hugs and hand pounds. Yep. Changes the whole environment. Love it. It does. It does. It's a, it's a different, um, you know, in a street fight is different, um, generally speaking. I mean, unless you got uh, two evenly matched guys who just have open space to keep distance um, from each other, stay out of each other's range. I mean, a street fight's over in 60 seconds less. You know, someone's getting knocked out clean. And now you're stuck in a ring with sometimes a guy who's been waiting a month just to cream you. You know, it's just like, like when this guy gets out of work, he's hitting the gym and, you know, he's got a punching bag with my face taped to it. Man, I used to hit my bed at night and think about asparagus wraps. I swear I'll be like, oh, man, Chad Dawson is eating an asparagus wrap. I- <laughs> I stopped at McDonald's on my way home from the gym. I'm I'm not gonna be I I gotta go for a jog. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and that was my yeah. life. For some reason it was the asparagus wrap that got to me so bad because I would never eat an asparagus wrap, but I you know he was gonna do what it took to do to be a champion and beat Bernard Hopkins twice and be remembered on that level. Yeah. You know, you know and, and I knew what that took because I was standing next to him and it you know, it's about your desire what you're willing to put in so like you say you have that month where you're thinking is that other guy did that other guy just did a push-up yeah yeah exactly like in a video game yeah it's like i better do something with my life you know exactly exactly and it comes it's just a totally organic type of motivation that that's stronger than most of us have in our regular everyday life i would venture to the vast majority yeah, see, I, I was um, one guy I really got to give props to is um, my roommate at the time, Dom Dominic the Voice. Um, he he was probably entering at the ring at five foot five, five six, and he was heavy, and he probably went through the biggest transformations just for scrub scraps. I mean, the guy bought a heavy heavy bag, threw it in his parents' basement. You know, we have this this wonderful big you know townhouse together and he's spending all his time in his parents basement with the, with the iron and the bag mm. and the guy drops like shit 40 pounds you yeah. know and and retained his muscle mass um he went on to fight with redwood you remember that 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 TJ. giant of a man yes yeah, that's, my, uh, that's my cousin yeah he and, and dominic six, six three fifteen yeah big guy exactly six six dom is almost a full Foot shorter than this man probably redwood has like 30 40 pounds on him and dominic took the fight i was yeah. not 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 by technicality or anything he he took the fight you know yeah. like well i had so I gotta to give draw it. to be fair it was like a close first round a close second round that i gave both to tj and then uh dom got a knockdown in the third round for a 10-8 round so i personally had a draw but it's hard to blame those judges who just saw this little guy knock this big guy on the ground and tell them yeah. that that guy didn't win the fight you know but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Chase, that's the uh that's the real you've been working on is dom for next week right yeah yeah yeah, yeah oh no kidding you next week you yeah, can have yeah. dom on next week yeah, buddy. Yeah, we're putting together a little highlight reel for him. Yeah, is there That's... anything you'd like to say his way we could pass along to him? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's funny. I actually just reached out his way. Uh, <clears throat> hey, 
the keto diet is working for you. The guy's thinner than ever. Um, you're a monster, man. I love you. I miss you. Uh, you know, let's let's do a non-point concert and get into that mosh pit. You pass that along right there. Let's go to a non-point concert. <laughs> love it. That's love awesome. it. Oh, my God. Uh, that's how it all... Dom and I were both fighters from the get-go. We met in a mosh pit. Um, we did. We actually did a little underground, like backyard boxing, at a party once. Uh, he was he was drunk, so I got the better of him. Yeah, you bring that up. <laughs> and um, it got to the point where we were sparring so much and grappling in our house that we actually had to keep uh, sheetrock and spackle. <laughs> just because we were putting holes in the wall like every weekend it was pretty bad <laughs> you guys really stand out to me the two of you because you walked up to me i think we were at shay's when we met somebody said something about scrub scraps and was like oh let me find let me find dom and charles they're gonna be perfect for this and i started talking to dom and he calls charles over now i can't explain to you how many times people have walked up to me in such a situation and go yeah, I'll fight. Oh, I'm so down for that. Oh, yeah. and, and like ready to go right then and then get that call or that text message or that I am on Facebook like, hey, fights next Sunday. Care if I put you on the flyer and all oh. that stuff drains out of them. So I'm listening. This this that time stands out to me because not only did you say something I'd heard a thousand times, but you actually then acted to in accordance with everything you had said. And at the time, I almost believed you. I remember saying, I hear this all the time, but I almost believe you guys. And <laughs> my intuition was right, because you guys have been every bit as scrappy as you sounded that first night drunk at the bar. It wasn't, uh, it yeah, wasn't we ego. It wasn't like, uh, you know, trying to be the baddest dude in the room. It was just totally willing to go somewhere and lace up and fight somebody. Cool yeah, song. I'm okay. Right just in. um, it's it's and, it, and it's funny because um, some people are born fighters. Um, I actually wasn't that way. Uh, you know, um, I mean, maybe I was, but let's just say I sucked at it at first. I got my ass kicked a lot. I was the runt. Um, I'm half Korean. Uh, I'm five eight. You know, at the uh, when I was a kid. I entered high school at four foot nine, 98 pounds when I went to military school. Mm. Um, so I got my ass kicked a lot, but um, it's something I had to learn. I guess the, the spirit was always there because yeah, uh, I wasn't putting up with anyone's shit, you know, especially being the little guy. But yeah, Dom, Dom, is, uh, Dom and I are definitely cut from the same cloth. I love the guy. I have genuine love for him. We've been through a lot, you know. Uh, I mentioned my roommate, uh, you know, taking his life at that time. Dom actually took me in. Um, I was broken, man. I, I was just totally shattered. And just being roommates with him, I met you guys a few months after. That definitely helped repair and fill that, you know, that void and that break. You know, it, it gave me a place to not only put my anger, but not hold on to it. Because you step into that ring, you use it, and then it's gone. Like you said, you, you had that picture of us leaning in together on the camera. You know, um, it, it's weird. I don't want to go on a tangent or anything, but I think that this is, we are human beings. Um, there are the select few of us that are violent um, by nature, and it, that's a good thing. We have the gift of aggression, as it's been said in a movie once. Uh, but it's like, 
I think that these outlets are important because when we were kids, you used to get into a fight in school and that'd be it. Most of the time you get sent down to the principal's office, you sit together against the common enemy, which is the principal. And most of the time, in my experience, I always ended up being friends with the person I got in a fight with. Um, and now these days, kids are getting bullied. They're not able to fight. You're instantly expelled if you fight, um, opposed to just being understanding that this is our human nature. Um, and then you hear about all these school shootings and kids killing themselves and all this other crap. So I firmly believe that what, that what happened in that backyard um, was instrumental on me rebuilding myself and becoming a better person. You know, it, it taught me when to, uh, yeah, it taught me to back up what I said, um, make a stand no matter what, and just, you know, let it out and move on. <laughs> I guess the best, the best way I can put it. Charles, you've said since then, you, you talk about Tiger Shulman's, I mean, you've had military experience. You talk about all your fight experience and combat experience. What sets Scrub Straps apart? What makes it different from Tiger Shulman's or from the military or stuff like that? Um, uh, Tiger Shulman's, even... I, I, I guess... Number one, the frequency of the fights. Um, people who are, all right, people can spar all day. That's what it is. You are sparring, you are pulling your punches, you are not in it to win it. Um, you're, you're training your body. So the frequency of a person like actually stepping in the ring and taking and throwing full blows is maybe a, twice a year, three times a year. It's not very common. Um, when I first met Jared and entered it, we were fighting every month. Dom and I fought every event every month. And that number one, that's different. Cause trust me, you get hit the wrong way. Your neck is cranked. Um, it might take a couple of weeks to, to heal up. And then your fight is in a week. So you haven't really been training to your full potential. Um, Tiger Shulman's is very held back. Um, you learn more technique. If you go in there and you start wrecking another person, it's frowned upon. That's not what you're there for. So it's more of a, it's definitely more of a school. And um, the combat training that I received with the Marine Corps, that was very uh, much conditioning. More conditioning your body than your mind than anything. Um, a lot of bone density strengthening like uh, Muay Thai fighters do. But, um, and it was ground game. It was all ground game. You're not, uh, I, I'm not doing a roundhouse very well when I'm wearing 90 pounds in weapons and armor. And, and you know, each magazine weighs about a pound. Got about 10 of those. My rifle's nine. Uh, my Kevlar's nine. My ballistic plate's 10. So it's very much, um, the Marine Corps was ground and pound. And there's no like holding back when you get to the submission point. Um, if you got someone in an arm bar, you snap their arm. That that's they're, they're, you don't wait for them to give up. You disable them. You pull out your knife and you end them. And that's it. You move on to the next target. And as far as uh, so, each one of my segments of training have been very different. Um, Tiger Showman's is very much more school and using incorporating everything that they have today. Uh, the Marine Corps was more brutality. Literally, they they brainwash you just kill them and move on if you have to take off your helmet and, and do that do it 
Um, when I was a kid, the martial arts were more of a way of life. Um, I'm half Korean. I didn't have much in the way of money growing up. So uh, my uncle, who's about a year and a half older than me, just happened to be a Taekwondo genius. And him being an old, a year and a half older than me, we really didn't have a lot of money. Uh, playing consisted of going outside and getting your ass kicked by your uncle on a daily basis. So, um, go outside and play. Ah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, and you see, and then I, and I looked a lot more Asian back then. So, of course, you see little two, you know, Korean ninjas, you know, backflipping and doing all this shit in your front yard. <laughs> But, um, I, uh, so- I think you said something really important. I want to jump in for a second here about showcasing and uh, naturally eccentric. I think you said violent. I want to go eccentric. But, you know, <laughs> but there's some of us that have that kind of part built in, you know. So what should we do? Like you said, we used to have a world where you got in a fight in high school. You got dragged to the principal's office. You made up. You went about your day and most of the time made a friend and had a mutual respect if you'd both thrown punches, you know, if you exactly each other. So nowadays you have a system that's built with uh, where you get expelled right away. But also there's this there's this social media truth that I don't think we've ever touched on on the show before that you just made me think of about <coughs> showcasing. Those of us that have that, you won't fight because you'll get expelled. And if you do fight and do get expelled, you will go viral. You won't know how to fight. You'll be out there getting knocked out or looking really oh, stupid. Oh, yeah, that and too. And everybody around you is going to pull their phone out and record it and showcase you. How much better is it to take those people that that appeals to, give them a safe environment for that showcase, and then let everybody record it? We're going to wait until they snap, and then we're going to show it to 8 million people. That sucks. I'm like, I'm getting frustrated right now. (laughs) There are some of us who have that happen in us naturally, and we need a place to put it. And when you just say it can't go anywhere... I could have been a school shooter. And I don't mean that to say that for some kind of shock effect. I mean that if I grew up in a different time, it's a road I might have chosen. You know, there are some of us that have that part built in. And when you have a place like Scrub Scraps that draws people like that out and then gives people like me now the opportunity to intervene. My God, man, that's a we need that. We need. Yes. Uh, I, um, yes, just because, um, you know, not to like delve too much off topic, like I'm very much into science. Okay. Yes. We are evolving. We've evolved greatly. You know, our mental capacity, all this other crazy crap. I just found out yesterday that your body can sense when someone is staring at you, when you are sleeping and they say, we don't have a sixth sense. Literally, this is proven fact. You can, okay. So what I'm saying is we're evolving. Yes. We, we have great mental capacity, but it will never take away that we are sexual, we are violent, we're creative, music, like all those things were ingrained into us, okay? But certain things are frowned upon. It's just like uh, dancing. A child does not need to be taught how to dance. They can hear music and they will innately do it. It's ingrained in you. That's fine, okay? But when a child naturally has violent tendencies or any human being, it, that's a big no-no rather than 
is in rather than saying, Hey, go find an outlet for you. Just keep it in a cage. And you know what? Uh, for some people, no cage is strong enough, you know? So you gotta, you gotta let the beast out sometimes and just have fun with it. Embrace it. It's a part of you. You More, know, you exactly. were More you controlled were born with it. Do that in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You were born with it for God's sake. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you for coming on, Charles. Thank you for the Scriptrap Spotlight. Loved hearing the stories of everyone from Scriptraps. I loved hearing you talk, and it was great. We hope to have you back soon. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, Jared, send me an invitation. I want to I want to listen in on uh, Dom, Dominic, fucking interviewing with you guys. Definitely. All right, guys. <laughs> All right. That's thanks, for having, th- thanks for having me on. Thanks yeah, for yeah, on. thanks for coming, brother. But that's going to do it for throwing jabs for myself, Big Jace, Joe Guire, Jared Jones, and Charles. Just dipped. Enjoy the fights tonight, and we'll see you next week for more throwing jabs. So take care. Make sure you visit clovercrestmedia.com for more information about this podcast and a bunch of others. So we'll see you next time for more throwing jabs. Take care, guys. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a puncher's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing. Counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Joe Aguirre, I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men, and great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burr, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.